Be patient with me this morning, if you will, as we dive into the word today. I'm wondering if the minister can help me really quick and go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 and verses 1. And if you can read nice and slowly for me. Uh, 1 through, uh, knowing that 1 through 10. What shall we say then? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Yes. God forbid. Uh, Paul is speaking to the, to the, the Jewish converts yes. and he, in Rome, and he's told, telling them, what shall we do then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? That grace, this idea of grace is the unmerited favor of God, the things we get from God that we don't deserve. Should we continue sinning because God's going to give us favor anyway? Is basically what he's saying here. Should we do that? Is that an option for us? To continue just doing anything we want because God is favorable to us. That's like me if I'm a son to somebody and uh, my father, no, my father's always going to give me a chance. My father's always going to give me a chance. And I just disrespect him constantly. Like at some point, that runs out. Some point that, and he's saying here, should because God gives us grace, should we just continue to do what we want? And what is his response to that? How should we, that are dead to sin, live any longer therein? Should we, how that we are dead to something, live any longer therein? Live any longer therein. How are we, if you're dead to something, going to still live in the thing that you're supposed to be dead to? Last week we talked about the, the resurrection. It was Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. I was so excited about it, right? Resurrection Sunday, I said, and I made a statement in the middle of there, and I realized I didn't explain it correctly. I said, if you don't understand why Resurrection Sunday is so important to us as believers, you're missing the whole point. Like, if you're focused on the fact that he died and don't focus on the fact that he got back up, you're missing the whole point. <laughs> you're missing the whole point. Yes, he suffered. Yes, he was literally tortured. But he also rose again. And it's the rising again part that gives us the hope. Because the worst thing is never the last thing. It's never the last thing anymore. The last thing I don't care how bad it is, we thought it was death, but Jesus said, actually, no, it's not going to be the last thing, because I'm getting up again. How, but, but you might ask yourself, well, how does that apply to me? I know he got up. I know he was able to get up, but how does that apply to me? Let's keep reading. God forbid, how should we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Thank you, Jesus. Let's keep reading. No, ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him in baptism. Oh, wow. Okay. So now here we're starting to see a connection here between the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and our lives. Yes, he has victory. Yes, he has victory over death. The worst thing isn't the last thing for him. But here Paul is declaring to the church, the, the worst thing doesn't have to be the last thing for you either. Amen. That doesn't have to be the case for you. 
you can get associated with the same death yes. and resurrection yes. that he went through. Right. Right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What does he say? Read that verse 3 again. Know ye not yes. that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ yes. were baptized into his death. You got in the same way he died. Okay. <laughs> the same way he died. When you go through baptism, you die too. Here's the thing. I've never seen in my entire life of living, um, um, I have never seen for a second anybody try to get debts from somebody who has passed on. Like, no one is at the grave, no one is at the graveyard saying, I am owed money in from people inside here. Because as soon as we hit the grave, it's, oh, whatever I owed you, you just lost. Like whatever thing you thought I owed you, it's done. Death stops everything you owed from being actually required from you as soon as you... So what happens then when we get associated with the death of Jesus? The thing that I was owed, or my things that were bad about me, all the things that I was indebted to, all the things that were bad about me, I don't owe them because I'm dead to that thing now. Like it's no longer mine. I'm free from that debt. I was uh, watching this uh, one thing in England, uh, this show. This guy was trying to get insurance money. Uh, he, he said, on my death, I'll get this money. So he said, okay, I'll just pretend I died. Man in England, it is so difficult to prove that you are dead. You have to get a certificate from a judge. You have to go into probate court. You have to get a death certificate. You have to go through a whole bunch of stuff. He didn't even realize. I'm here to tell you, if you need to prove that your old life is no longer here, there is a way to easily prove it. It's by death through baptism. You no longer owe any of that stuff anymore. You see that? I'm just doing what the scripture says. Listen to this. Uh, uh, know you not that as many as you that were baptized into, say, read it again, sir. Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Yes. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism huh. into death. Right. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, yep. even so we also should walk in newness. Of There's Christ. something new coming about you yes. after the baptism. Yes. It's something new in you, something fresh, something that wasn't there before. The, all the things that were indebted, I don't have to worry about it anymore. You say, well, why does he use baptism for it? We actually really don't know. <laughs> but I do, I do know that this is a pattern that has been going on from the old book until now. Oh, you don't believe me? Let's, let's, let's dive in. I've been thinking about this all week. <laughs> okay, Genesis chapter one, verse two. You'll see how water, let me start right at the beginning. At the beginning, there ain't nothing before this. This is, this is it, this is the start, right? Genesis chapter one, you'll see the Lord, whenever he wants to distance us from chaos, from sin, destruction, enslavement, he uses water to separate what was before and then uses a newness after water to create new life, to create order, to create light, to create goodness to create righteousness he separates it by water I'm going to show you all the scriptures here well some of them Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and 2 says what in the beginning in the beginning we're talking about the beginning of all things God 
Yep. Created the heaven and the earth. Created the heaven and the earth. And the earth. Yep. And the earth was without form. And then, at some point after it created the earth, the earth was what? Without form. Without form. And void. This is the different way of saying the world, the world was in darkness and it was in chaos. Something happened after his initial creation that the world became in darkness and chaos. And then what happened? And darkness was upon the face of the deep. Darkness was everywhere down into the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the Before world. he started asking anything to come into being, before he asked even for light, he starts to have a interaction with the water. Something about water transforms us from chaos and darkness into light and order. You, you see that? What is it then going to say? And God said, yes. let there be light. As soon as he's done with the water, it's all about the light. You, you, you see that? Before then I was in darkness, I was in debt. After the water I am now in. But this isn't the only time. This is a pattern in the old book. Let's go to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6 is the story of Noah. The story of Noah is another interaction with water where the Lord has judged the earth. I'm going to throw these scriptures at you. You're going to have to read them, take pictures, read them. They're all really, really good. In Genesis chapter 6, Genesis chapter 6, we hear that the earth becomes wicked. He's created the earth and his judgment has looked at the earth and said, wow, mankind has turned against me. Mankind has not become the thing I assumed him to be. He has become so corrupt that I can't do anything with him. But the scripture says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace. Look, I tell you, sometimes you have to go looking for to find grace. And God's great. God said, I'm going to destroy the earth. It is both judgment and salvation, right? It is a judgment for the earth and a salvation for Noah. Before the water... He wiped, used the water to cleanse the earth, to wipe it all away. And then Noah, for Noah, that's the thing that saved him. The old things became old and new, Noah had a new chance. What was the dividing line? Water. <laughs> You're asking me why he uses water? He's always used water. That's always been the thing he's used. <laughs> Amen? All right, Exodus chapter 14. I'm going to go pretty quickly here. Exodus chapter 14. Which story do you think I'm going after here? Exodus chapter 14. Children of Israel in Egypt. Children of Israel get released from Egypt. Children of Israel go in the wrong, apparently the wrong direction, right towards the Red Sea. It looks like the wrong direction because they're going to be trapped by water. But the Lord isn't trapping them with water. He's saving them with water. It looks like we're going in the wrong direction. And somehow, why are we here? And they get really frightened. Why are we by a pool of water when we're trying to get out of here as quickly as possible? And the Lord is saving them. You have been enslaved for 300 years. And I'm going to free you from your slavery. But I have to get you through the water first. So what does he do? He divides the Red Sea. He says to Moses, what's in your hand? He says, stretch it out over the water. And the children of Israel go through. 
They stop being enslaved in that moment. They stop owing the past in that moment because as they pass through the water, the Egyptians attempt to go through with them. But the debt of the past cannot pass through the water. Do you see what I'm saying here? It can't pass through the, the same way that the, in the scripture said in Genesis chapter one that the earth was without form or void. It couldn't pass through the water. The bad things that were in the time of Noah couldn't pass through the water. It all got left behind. It all got pushed back and something new was getting created by water. Do you see that? Hallelujah, glory to God. This isn't even the only time he does it. He constantly does it. When, when the scripture tells us that it was a pillar of cloud that the children of Israel were under when they were in the wilderness. Over and over again, water is this purifying agent. It's no wonder that it takes up 70% of the surface of the world because it's no excuse for you. If I put water everywhere you are, there's no excuse not to be saved. Hallelujah, glory to God. So he puts water everywhere. We've got the children of Israel who have escaped now. They're no longer slaves. The power structure, the authority, the armies that held them in under enslavement get destroyed by water. Only they make it through. I'm here to tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm building up to this, but I'm here to tell you for those who are baptized, this is exactly what you did. You know what your whole body, what you did with your whole body when you went into baptism? Your whole body became a prayer to God. I want you to think about this for a second. You didn't just say it. You said, I want my body to be that prayer. Like this is the only thing I want on the other side of this is me and the savior. Everything else can pass away. If there was an authority that had me, you're not allowed to come through the water. If I was in debt to somebody, I did them wrong. You're not allowed to come through the water. If there's something that I had that was out of alignment with God, it's not allowed to come through the water. Let's go to one more, Joshua chapter three. In fact, did you read Exodus 15? Did I get so excited that you never read the, the scripture? Exodus chapter 14, 15, and 16. Go ahead and read that for me, please. And the Lord yeah. said unto Moses, yep. Wherefore criest thou unto me? Moses was frustrated because he had reached the Red Sea and didn't know what to do. And so the Lord said, why are you shouting at me? You have everything you need around you to get saved from your situation. You have what you need. Let's keep reading. And the Lord said unto Moses, wherefore criest thou unto me? Yeah. Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Go through to the thing that I've set to save you. Yes. The thing about water is it doesn't look like it's gonna save anybody. That's what the problem is. Had there been weapons over there, they'd have tried to, yeah, let's go towards the weapons. Had there been a, maybe another army, an army of angels, they'd have said, yep, that's definitely us. And you're asking me why he used water? Because it was the, what he decided to use. <laughs> and I just follow what the Lord says. <laughs> Keep reading that out. Verse 16. Yes, sir. Thou, but lift thou up the rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it. 
and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground to the midst of the sea. So they're going to go through, but anything else, it's not going to make it. What does baptism, what does water do for us? Allows you to go through, but your sins get washed away. <laughs> we've taken this moment, the thing that's frustrated me about this is that we've taken this and created the symbols out of it. Uh, but the scripture is quite clear. It is quite a literal translation. It's from the word, when, when we see the scripture use the word baptism, especially in the New Testament, it's from the word baptizio, Greek word baptizio, which is to immerse. They're literally talking about doing this thing. <laughs> Amen. Let me go. Let's keep going. Uh, let's go to Joshua chapter 3. Verse 1. Yes, sir. And Joshua rose early in the morning. Yes, sir. And they removed the Shittim and came to Jordan, and he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. Yes, sir. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord our God, and the priests, Levites, bearing it, you shall remove from your place and go after it. Right. What he's saying here is that when the Ark of the Covenant, which represents figuratively and literally the presence of God, when you see the Ark of the Covenant move out, I want you to move. And the thing is where it's going to move and lead you is through the Jordan River. It's going to lead you right through the river. What is happening in this moment is that the children of Israel have been in the wilderness for years because of disobedience. They've been wandering around the wilderness and this is their chance to get rid of the wilderness and be in the promise. Uh, some of us are still hanging around in the wilderness and there's promise on the other side of... <coughs> it's time to reject the wilderness to thinking. We need to get through the water. Amen? So he says, when you see the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant moving through the river, that's your signal to follow. <laughs> follow the presence. Um, you're not getting it, are you? The Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the water. The Spirit of the Lord moved on the face of the water and all of a sudden light starts coming in and life starts coming in. And the scripture's telling the children of Israel, when you get to the River Jordan, follow the presence. And once the presence is, he is here and you follow the presence, you get the promise. Uh, uh, glory to God. Keep reading a few more verses for me there, sir. Verse 4, yet there shall be a space between you and it, yep. about 2,000 cubits of measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. You're right. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua yes, sir. said unto the people, sanctify yourselves, yep. for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. What is the wonder? The Lord is going to part the Jordan River. This is a moment in the history of the children of Israel. They remember this. The Lord parts the river Jordan just like he did, if you remember, when he was at the Red Sea. So they've been wandering around the wilderness and they got saved by that, but then they get a wilderness attitude. And the Lord still wants to save them and he saves them by water out of the wilderness. You're wondering what you're going through and I'm saying, Lord can save you out of it. Amen. So there's multiple examples of water being used to separate us from our old life. Multiple examples, I can keep going. But these are examples from scripture where the Lord uses water to separate us. 
But I want to kind of more for you saying, well, what does, the, what does the New Testament say about it? That is the old book. I want to get you a bit closer to the new book, right? First mention of, of baptism is actually Matthew. Matthew chapter 3, in fact, it is the first of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the first of those Gospels is Matthew. Matthew is um, a Gospel that is directed towards uh, Jewish brothers and sisters, the ones who were saved, the ones who came to Christ, right? And he says in Matthew chapter 3, if you could just start reading that, sir. In those days yep. came John, the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So in the first book of the New Testament, we hear about this new prophet called John the Baptist. John the Baptist. John the ba his whole thing is baptism. He's literally in his name. He gets called by it. He's baptizing them. And this man is spoken about in the prophecy of Isaiah. He says, if you, in fact, if you keep reading, it will speak on it. For this is he that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, verse 3, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So he's, he's going to be in the wilderness preaching about Jesus who's to come. And he's saying, I'm doing this to prepare for him. Prepare the way for Jesus. This is a 900-year-old prophecy. Isaiah preached this 900 years before this moment, and now it's being fulfilled, and what does it continue to say? For this is he that, this is he that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, yep. saying, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, making his path straight. And the same John had this raiment of camel's hair, yep. and leather and girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Yeah, drop down to verse 11 for me, please, sir. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Yes. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I. Oh, he's talking about something. He said, I'm going to get you close. But somebody's going to get you all the way there. Like I'm pointing you in the right direction. But somebody's coming. Can you imagine you're John the Baptist sitting here preaching this. And two verses from now, you're saying somebody's coming. And literally they're on their way. Like two verses from now, he, Jesus is literally coming. Prophecy is being lived out in this moment. John the Baptist is speaking and he's saying, there's somebody coming after me. He's talking to the, in fact, he was talking to the Pharisees. And he said, hey, I know you, you, you think of yourselves as Abraham's children. You have a ritual, it's called circumcision, that makes you Abraham's children. But I'm here at the river of Jordan, literally baptizing where this whole thing started. Where you were saved by water from the wilderness. And John the Baptist is here at the same river of Jordan. Saying to the descendants of those people. Who went through the river long ago. It's time to get it right now. And just because you're Abraham's children doesn't mean you've got it. Come through the water. You've got out of line. Get through the water. You see saving through the water. Amen. Let's keep going. But he that cometh after me yeah. is mightier than I. He's mighty. Whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. Thank you, Lord. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Amen. We're going to get to the Holy Ghost soon. Trust me. We're doing baptism right now. Let's go from this. Whose fan is in his hand, yeah. and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garden. And, but he will burn up the chaff and the un, with unquenchable fire. 
Amen. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee. Whoa, wait a second. He's just been talking about him who's to come. Then verse 13, the scripture says, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to where Jordan, to that place of water where they started this journey all those years ago. <laughs> this isn't an accident. This isn't by mistake. This is, this is definitely purpose that he would do this. And now look, we know who Jesus is. He's the perfect lamb, spotless lamb of God. No sin whatsoever. The question really is at this point, why is Jesus going to John the Baptist, and that's what you're about to read, to be baptized? It's a really good question. Why is he coming to be baptized? The simple truth is he didn't need to be baptized at all. <laughs> but he wanted to show you something. There is a revelation about to happen in this moment, and it's going to happen through water. Just read what happens next. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan yeah. unto John to be baptized of him. Verse 14. 14. But John forbade him. John's like, there's no way I'm baptizing you. First of all, I know who I am. I do, and I know good and well who you are. I've, I've known who you are. I'm waiting here baptizing people with the assumption that you're coming. <laughs> I know who you are. Why are you asking me to baptize you? What's Jesus' response? Saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. You're right, you do. And cometh thou unto me? Why are you coming to me when I need baptism from you? But keep going. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be. I need you to let this be, be this wave right now. Because something's about to happen, but it will only happen when I go through water. I'm not saving me, I'm saving you. And I need to go through water to do it. What happens now? Keep reading. Suffer it to be so now, for thus it, it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went straight up, straight away out of the water. Thank you, Lord and Jesus. And lo, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove Amen. and lighting upon him. So we see the confirmation of who Jesus is. Yes. And in fact, if you could read verse 17. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, whom I well pleased. What's on the other side of water? The revelation of who this man Jesus is. On the other side of water was the full revelation of who we're dealing with. We're not just dealing with somebody who's nice to poor people. We're not just dealing with somebody who doesn't like the religious order as it is. We're not talking about just a good prophet and a good preacher. We're talking about the Son of God. Hallelujah, glory to your name. We're talking about the Son of God. And that revelation came on the other side of water. The saving of the world was revealed on the other side of water. Let's keep going because I'm, I'm going to keep you all day and I'm, I'm fine with it. But let's go to St. John chapter 4. I really want to stop at this verse because it's important to realize that baptism wasn't just John the Baptist's idea. That's not just, that's his name. That's who he is. That's what he does. But Jesus is baptizing too. And his disciples more specifically are baptizing too. In fact, St. John chapter four says what? When therefore the Lord knew how 
how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. So wait a minute, you're talking me, John the, ba the Baptist, he's in his name. He's been baptizing. But Jesus and his disciples ends up baptizing more than all of them. They're using the same exact principle of being saved by water to save the people now. I'm just telling you what the scripture says. <laughs> Glory to God. And so he says, keep reading. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that yeah. Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, through Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. Amen. Another scripture here I want to show you. I'm almost, I'm almost there now. Matthew 28. This is, this is why I started talking about this from last week. Last week we talked about Easter. The resurrection Sunday, right? The risen Savior. I was starting to think about the risen Savior and I was thinking about baptism, how it kind of, I'm, in the first scripture I shared with you, we rise to new life yes, yes, yes. because we are buried with him. Yes. Just like Sunday, resurrection Sunday, I'm rising in new life just like he's rising in new life. But after the resurrection, Jesus is, has a specific message to the disciples. Yes. He's speaking to them, he's deliberate to them, and this is what it says, Matthew 28, and I think it's verse 18. Can you read and that, sir? And Jesus came and spake unto him, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Like, okay, this is him, this is kind of like um, somebody telling you their credentials. <laughs> Like, the what I'm about to say isn't just off the top. And we knew that all the way from, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, right? But now he's coming and saying, all power. Like, everything I'm about to tell you is as a result of my power and as a result of my authority. So the question really isn't why I should be baptized, because that tells me right there. If he tells me after making that declaration, all power is given to me. I'm listening to you in the next sentence eagerly. Okay, yes, sir. Yes, Amen. Let's go. Let's go, sir. Go ye therefore, verse 19, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So he's telling the disciples, what I want you to do now is to go, teach, baptized. That's it. That's your job. I told you I started off, I have a purpose. My whole purpose. Preach, teach, baptize. I don't, I've got nothing else to do. Why? Because Jesus, the very last thing he tells the people before he ascends into the heavens, go, teach, baptize. That's it. I don't have to get wealthy. I don't have to get popular. I don't have to accumulate friends. But I have to go, teach, and baptize. Ah, hallelujah. Glory to God. I hope you're getting what I'm saying here. Hallelujah. Teaching them to what? Verse them to observe all things. Teaching, teaching. Go, teach. In fact, in Luke it says, um, preach. Um, and I think it's in Matthew, uh, sorry, excuse me, in uh, John. It says also to go preach, go teach. This repeated message. Like you can't miss it. <laughs> you cannot miss it if you go look. Amen. So now Jesus has told them what to do. The question for me is what do they then do in response to what Jesus tells them to do? Uh, Acts chapter 2, I've got no choice. Acts, Acts 2, let's go to Acts 2, sir. Acts 2, so this is the first time they have a public meeting. The church is beginning to be created. The first time they have a public meeting, 
anywhere. And it's to meet in Acts chapter 2. Acts is written by the, the, the physician Luke. Luke is actually, if you think about Luke, the gospel of Luke is book one. Acts, chapter, Acts is book two. It's like a two-part series of first one being the life of Jesus, death and resurrection. The second one is the early church. Right? So we are picking up with Acts just as Luke stops. Amen. Acts chapter two, we see Peter preaching to the people. So, so why don't you start um, just where he starts to preach? Acts chapter 2. Verse 38. Yes, sir. Peter said unto them. 37, actually. Now, when they had heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter. So, so Peter's just told them the, 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 the teach business. He's told them the preach business. He says, the same Jesus you crucified is Lord and Christ. Y'all messed up. You, you killed the one who came to save you. But he also says you had no choice because that's what he came to do. He came to die and he came to rise again. And so they're saying, I'm picking up right now at verse 37, where the people hear the message, I know who Jesus is now, what am I supposed to do? This is what verse 37 goes into. Now, when, they heard this, when they heard the thing I just told you, they were, pricked in their heart. They were bothered by it. It really it, it impacted them. The whole death of Jesus was a big deal. But what they don't know is what Peter just told them is that he actually rose again. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. So keep, keep reading. And said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, apostle, men and brother, what shall we do? Like you've told me the good news of Jesus. You've, told, you've taught me now what he is. He says, what should we do? What does he say? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. The only possible answer to the question of, now that I know, and who, know who Jesus is, the only answer Peter gave, this was it. Just go ahead and repent and be baptized. You are going to pass from death to life, from sin to righteousness, from chaos to order, just by passing through water. This is what we've been doing from the very beginning. <laughs> Going through water. I'm so grateful for my baptism. Yes. Amen. Amen. But this isn't the only place it happens. It happens over and over and over again throughout the book of Acts. Like you can Google it, read it, it's all there. Every single time we come to know who Jesus is, he's asking us to pass through water. Which brings me back all the way to the beginning. Go back to Romans 6, if we can. Romans 6, and I'm going to come down. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Now I want you to listen to this again. In light of what we've just heard. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. What shall we say then? Yes, sir. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Keep going, sir. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him in baptism, by baptism, unto death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also shall we walk in newness of life. You want the newness of life in you? Let's just go through some water. Just like he did, just like he did in the beginning when the earth was out form and void, just as he did 
when Noah needed to replenish the earth, just like he did with the children of Israel when they needed to get out of Egypt. Just like he did when they were trying to get from the wilderness to the promise. Just like he did with John the Baptist. Just like he did when Peter and the rest of his apostles were speaking to the people for the first time. It's through water. Salvation is through water. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word.